0: This is B2B Enablement, a Click.io podcast created to inspire sales and marketing leaders navigating digital transformation. I'm your host, Dave Carr, and on this show, we'll share actionable insights to build winning digital strategies and deliver better sales results with your customers. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 23 of B2B enablement. Today, we're going to hop into the topic of how to optimize your B2B website strategy. And that is going to be a big one, probably somewhat similar to opening Pandora's box. But today (laughs) with me, I have Sam Moss, who is an absolute expert uh, in the realm of website development, website management and strategy. And we're going to unpack this topic and we're going to start out uh, talking about some basic concepts and then moving into some more advanced um, concepts as well as we get through Uh, the discussion. But uh, first and foremost, I'll give Sam just a quick second here to do an introduction of himself and then we'll hop directly into the topic.
1: Awesome. Well, Dave, thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, If you're listening to this, Dave and I met uh, on a podcast of our own. We're friends on LinkedIn. So appreciate you having me here. I own a, a de- website design and development company, primarily focused on doing uh, performing website solutions for SaaS companies um, in upstate New York and across the United States. And I host a podcast of my own, like I said, that Dave was on called B2B Made Simple. So again, Dave, I appreciate you having me here. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always great too. you know, you talk about the LinkedIn network and the and the cross-pollination uh, and the discussion we had uh, on, on Sam's, Podcast was another great one. So if you if you haven't subscribed to that, I would encourage you to check it out and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Um so diving into this topic, as I mentioned, you know, we'll start basic and we'll we'll move more advanced. Uh in all of my episodes, I always include on the landing page or in the show notes uh just some timestamps. So if you're a more advanced user and you want to jump to some of the topics around like, hey, how do I help my site generate more leads or how do we have more conversion? Just check the show notes. You can find those timestamps there. Otherwise, where I'd really like to start, Sam, is just having some initial discussion around, you know, why do most B two B sites struggle to get quality results, and what is just your overall synopsis of when you you start working with a client? What are some of the common things right out of the gate that you try to address?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a number of things. One of the first areas that we address would be more of just the backend issues going on. Because a lot of times you can have a great looking website, but if you're not really fluent in what's going on in the back end, it can slow down the site. And that's one of the things that we see more often than not is it's a horrible customer experience for your buyers coming to your website and then it takes five, 10, 25, a minute to load, right? Obviously that's like an exaggerated example, but that would be one of the first things that we tackle. And I would recommend if you're listening to this, really take a speed test and see what's going on with the site? Is it going to be an enjoyable experience? Um, So that's like the technical side. Now, let's say you get that under control. Another thing that we see a lot is that (laughs) marketers tend to do this. They overcomplicate everything, right? And this comes down to websites as well. Um, So they overcomplicate the flow, they overcomplicate the messaging, and they just make it, way harder and way more confusing for the buyer than it needs to be. There should be a call action that says, get a demo. And that should be like one of your main points, right? Tell people what you do. Um, so as a very high level, that's what we see going on with a lot of these sites. Um, and it needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah. And, and having simple CTAs in a flow is, I, I mean, I don't think you can over or over, uh, um, exemplify that enough because that is just so important, especially for, you know, B2B service industries if you don't have e-commerce embedded in your site, like allowing people to know where do you need to take action. And I see that very commonly as well. Um, and then from site speed also, uh, you know, one handy resource and, and we've used this a lot is just the Google Page Speed uh, Insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a free test, you can run it, it gives you a score on mobile and on desktop. And there's always a lot of places that you can, you can start to optimize. Um, You know, so talking about data and measurement sort of brings me, I guess, into my next point, which are, you know, when you think about measuring a site and you think about the KPIs of your website, what are some of the things that you should be measuring to gauge your site performance uh, and both related to technical and and conversion? Uh, Maybe just unpack
1: that for us a little bit. Honestly, it boils down to how many people are booking a meeting, booking a demo, calling, setting up an appointment. Those are all the KPIs that we would say that you need to track, right? It's great to have audience. It's great to have people to your website, but if they're not turning into anything, then what does that matter? Right? So when it comes to like, this is what we're looking for. This is like the end all, it would be simply how many people are reaching out to do business with us. And that's what we like to tell all of uh, our clients. And even, you know, I'm a big proponent of this on LinkedIn, just make it easy for them to do it. And that's how I would measure it is right there is those meetings booked.
0: Yeah. And and when you think about things that get a little bit more technical, like SEO, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and even SEM backlinks, things like that. What are some of the tools you use? What are some of the metrics you're looking at to make sure that you're optimizing those sort of strategies if you're getting more advanced on, on that mm-hmm. side of the, the coin?
1: So I don't pretend to be an SEO expert by any means, um, but another uh, metric that I would keep an eye on is bounce rate. Um, So, like I said, I can't really go into the SEO side of things, but bounce rate is really important. And what that means is like how many people are coming to your site and leaving within X amount of seconds, right? And that can be one, they're the wrong traffic coming to your site. I mean, if we were to dig into this, right, the wrong traffic. It could be that your messaging. Is way off base and they can't even figure out what they, what you do to continue scrolling, or this goes back to page speed. They're, they're ready to go and your site is still sitting there loading. Um, so that's more of the technical side that we look into. Um, and that's a really good KPI to keep an eye on as well.
0: Yeah, you know, so we have used uh SEMrush, SEM Rush. SEM Rush uh, for those, if you're not familiar, um, there's a lot of other great tools. Moz is another one that you, you can use to do you know some better in-depth SEO research. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, we're we're always looking at at bounce rates as well, uh, load times, things you know that we can track with Google PageSpeed Index. Um, but you know, one thing as well. And it's a much longer game to play is backlinking strategy and so one of the things that we do frequently is track our number of backlinks we've even used uh, some campaigns to grow those backlinks to get featured in guest blogs um, and so from a marketing perspective you know that's one of the things uh, we do at click to, ch- to try to Im- improve our website and the performance and the rankings um, and it takes time that's that's the challenge yeah. it's it's not you know in 2012 2011 you know you could go out and do a little bit of work and see a huge amount of results it's a it's a much more competitive world out there so you know you really one thing I always try to, to tell b2b marketers when you're thinking about those strategies is you know, breaking down short-term results by using sem or search engine marketing so basically paid ads to drive short-term traffic while you're working on those longer seo plays just because mm-hmm. they take so long um but it does pay off and and all of that relates back uh, to, you know, domain authority as well. And that's something that we've, mm-hmm. we've tracked on. One. Yeah. So just looking at your site's DA and, and making sure that you're, you positioned and looking at your competitors too, right? So you can, you can kind of see in those tools, you know, what are their domain authorities? How many backlinks do they have? What keywords are they ranking for? Uh, that's another big thing that Simrush will do is they'll kick out a, a really comprehensive list of what keywords you're ranking for. And then you can figure out if, if the work you're doing in content creation is actually uh, you know, pro- producing results or it's
1: falling on deaf ears. So You know, you real quick. You bring up a good point, though. About and this is kind of a tangent here, but you said, "Look, we as even though we're doing a backlink strategy, which is going to be a long term, you know, results that we're hoping for, you're also doing things in the short term, short term, to make sure that you're hitting, you know, whatever it is that the board wants you to hit, right? You're hopefully generating pipeline of revenue. Now, I think that can be said with all marketing, right?" If you started a podcast and that's your only marketing strategy, guess what? You're probably not going to get any results from that <laughs> right. for a year. Right. If you started posting on LinkedIn today and that was your only marketing, you're not going to see results from that for six months to a year if you're doing it right. So, marketers, you need to do what you, you need to dot your I's and cross your T's, right? And then when the time comes, almost when you don't need those brand building activities or the the things that are almost going to have indirect results down the road, then you can do them if you're executing well on all the things in the short term
0: very very well said sam and, and i totally agree and i i've seen a lot of other sas companies too when you're very early and you're just launching a project, you, you're just having a website up. In fact, I was talking to a guy the other day um, that had a really cool SaaS product. It's a QA tool for, for web development and the site just looks beautiful. They're not really getting a lot of traffic because they're not doing a lot of paid marketing. They're not doing a lot of other strategies that play into that. So so it is a healthy blend and it's knowing where to pick early on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of break it down into like painkillers or therapy. Like if you've got a knee ache, you can take painkillers and it gets it fixes it right now. That's kind of mm-hmm. like your paid search, right? Like that's going to produce very quick results that can show uh, immediate tangible benefit. Uh, when when you want uh, to to have something that goes you know a little more long term, that's where you're building your SEO. And the SEO mm-hmm. is that you know hey I'm going to go to therapy I'm going to fix the problem long term. Um, another point you made earlier I want to circle back to is paying attention to your channel. So where mm-hmm. is that traffic coming from? because you're right it it can symbolize or or show you through the data where you may be having breakdowns in a certain customer type like hey maybe all the traffic we're getting from facebook has a super high bounce rate they don't spend a lot of time on site that's indicative of maybe a bad product market fit or bad messaging whereas Mm -hmm. you know maybe things we're doing through organic search produce really good website metrics i think having the attribution to track that is also important. And I would
1: love to hear your thoughts or expand on that as well. Yeah, well, if you think about it, the where your traffic is coming from should also dictate how your website is structured. Or I guess I should take a step back and say like your go-to-market strategy, right? So for us, we transparently, we have done almost zero work on SEO on our site, right? Our strategy is relationships, organic LinkedIn, and a podcast. And the reason we haven't focused on SEO is a lot of times the buyers that we're going after aren't going to Google and searching web development company, right? A lot of times it's going to be SMBs that are are doing that and they're looking for design. So we found our ideal buyers are in LinkedIn and they're listening to podcasts, right? So that's where we're going to focus. And because of that, they know who we are when they come to our website. They, these are branded searches that they're, if they go to Google, it's going to be one click agency, right? So that dictates now how we're approaching our website and how we message it, where we're putting call to actions, how we're describing what we do, right? So these people are, have a lot more intent when they come to our website and therefore the website doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting. So they're almost like 90% convinced that they need to do business with us. And the website kind of gets them like 10% of the way or the rest of the way. Now, for example, if we're doing SEO, which is a a totally different marketing strategy and that's what we're banking on, then obviously when they click on your website, they don't know who you are. So you have to tell a totally different narrative, a totally different story. Your content has to do something totally different than what we're doing. And that's where you have to take a step back and go, well, what is our marketing doing? Where are we hoping to get this traffic from? Even if it's paid search, right? if it's uh, social ads, right? All of those things, they're all different and whatever your main strategy is, your website should cater to that.
0: Yeah, I I love that we're getting down some tangents uh, on and deeper into marketing than just (laughs) web strategies in general. But but typically, I mean, if you're a marketer, that's gonna be a huge piece of your strategy. You're gonna be optimizing Mm -hmm. for web. But I mean, I honestly feel like we could do an entire episode just around what strategies do you pick for what channel and how mm-hmm. does that relate to what you want to accomplish? And and kudos to you guys on the SEO play as well. And I hear so many people saying that now it's like, hey, look, we're not even really going to focus on SEO because we're mm-hmm. interested in building branch or or short term uh, growth for early stage you know companies. If you're if you're going the SEM route, um, but it's SEO is just so hard to compete. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. if you've got big competitors you're going to get washed out because they may have hundreds of thousands of backlinks they can build for domain authority versus your, you know, your, your inability to do that. Um, something I would want to uh, touch on as well is as landing pages Mm -hmm. and the value of having customized landing pages simply because depending on where that buyer is coming in, you do need to tell a different story. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, we have found one of the biggest things that we've helped, uh, our conversion strategy is making sure that we have different pages. So whether somebody's coming in through LinkedIn, whether they're coming in through a retargeting campaign, however, we've got a message that talks to them where they are at that stage in their buying journey. Your homepage mm-hmm. is never, and, and feel free to interject or disagree with me on this. Your homepage, yes, it should be general, but should, it never should never be the one central place you always send people because mm-hmm. it does tell you know a more a more general message. Um, yeah. And and I love the idea too about winning on branded search. And you know I hear. Chris Walker does such a great job of, of you know nailing this. And if you don't follow Chris Walker, you should on LinkedIn. But th- some of the comments he makes around how they help their clients win on branded search by producing the right kind of content, podcasts and mm-hmm. other things that develop thought leadership. Uh, it's way, way easier to win in 2021 than SEO.
1: Yeah, and that's that. so another point here is like, even though we're not focused on uh, organic SEO, right? We have our branded search. So, like, if you type in our website or if you type in our our company name, our website's going to come up. Like, that should be across the board. So, like, let me make that clear if you're listening to this. If even if SEO isn't your strategy, when someone goes to Google and they type in click or even one click, right? you need to come up and I need to come up. Or if you type in refine labs, or if you type in drift or gong, like you're going to see who comes up and that should be a hundred percent. You should be ranking in, um, that would be branded search, I believe is the term for that. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not winning on, on that point, then you definitely have more, yeah. more issues. <laughs> and then that, and then that gets into more advanced <laughs> tactics of like, well, do you bid on, you know, competitors names or, or are they bidding on yours? I mean, and so that, that's a whole different level of you know, of complexity. <laughs>
1: yeah, we haven't yeah. gotten there yet. We, we
0: haven't had to go to that point of actually bidding on our own name. But um, yeah, well, so that really interesting. So you, you talked a little bit around, you know, how to develop the site around the narrative. So talk to us a little more, like how should your website tell that business story? And, and how are different pages a part of that strategy? Just beyond your homepage in general.
1: So our about page is the second most visited page on our website. And my dad and I co-founded uh, OneClick. Um, and now we have a team of developers. And the The about page literally tells that story, how we went from like uh, this agency that was trying to do everything for the SMB space, how we kind of honed in on websites and and why that's like our brand story. And people love to do business with people. So our, our picture is on there. You can go read our bios and things like that. And obviously the proof is in the pudding. Like that's the page that everyone wants to go to for whatever reason. I mean, out of curiosity as a buyer, I do the same thing. I go to, you know, if I were to go to drift, I kind of, am curious to see like, what are they doing when I go to refine labs? Like, Oh, I'd love to hear like a little bit of their story. If I'm interested in doing business with someone again, we're in, we're in 2021 people are, they're looking to find who they know, like, and trust. And if your business can tell that story, or your company can tell that story in an about page, then that's going to be a huge plus. Um, another thing that would tell the story is really not overthinking the story. Um, so one of the tactical things, um, and again, we don't do messaging for our clients, but this is something that we would definitely coach them on for sure. Is you're the above the fold, which is when you land on a website and before you ever scroll, your website, your website should answer three questions. The first one is what do you do? How are you going to make my life better? And how do I buy from you? Right? So you should be able to answer those three questions. And then you can go deeper down the page or the home page or the landing page or whatever it is, and get into the nitty gritty if you need to throw in some customer testimonials and really put in the, the junk drawer, I guess, of things that you need to obviously don't go overboard, but at least above the header, you need to answer those three questions.
0: I, I Yes, 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 and yes. And, you know, we also struggled with that. And I remember when we were first kind of honing in on our strategy and trying to figure out, you know, above the fold, what do you say? Um, and, and another just side tip I will say as well, if, if you're a marketer and you're trying to figure out how that journey looks for Scroll and what people are doing, Hotjar is a great tool. We've mm-hmm. used it for, for over a year now, and it's great because you can actually watch where people click, how far down they scroll. You can even watch recordings of what they do on your site. So it's it's a great tool if you want to figure out how you know people are interacting if they're getting your message or not.
1: That's in our tech stack as well. That's one of our favorites.
0: Yeah, Hotjar is great. I'm a, I'm yeah. a huge, huge fan. Uh, we did a I did a list on LinkedIn a while back of like you know big uh, Martech tools that we used and it, it definitely made the list. Um, <laughs> but you know, having tools like that and figuring out you know what do you do to optimize that journey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one thing that we really struggle with. So, we, I'm a big fan of messaging as well as a marketer. And I've always, you know, every company I've worked at and, and as a marketing leader have always taken them through a messaging exercise. So, how do we develop a messaging guide? What are our big three key messages? How do you really boil that down? Um, you know, for us in the SaaS industry, it's even more complicated because you're having this big sea of people that provide solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, so for us, it was really getting it down to kind of, you know, one sentence, which is, hey, we help salespeople close more deals and build better relationships with their clients. And mm-hmm. and then, so that captures you, right? And then below that, it's like, well, hey, we do that by these three things. And we yeah. take content and turn it into conversations. We take data and we turn that into direction. We take average salespeople and we turn them into sales experts. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're going through that website uh, enhancement sort of journey and you're not building that messaging, you're kind of building a house in the middle of a swamp. There's not a lot yeah. of foundation there, you know?
1: So the thing is this is actually something that I'm a huge proponent of the messaging and the copy is way more important than the development and the design. And this is coming from the developer and the designer who has a team that doesn't do messaging, right? I would even go so far to say that the messaging and the copy should come first before you even conceptualize what you're going to how you're going to build your website. I think that's the foundation. So hopefully that has some uh, some authority behind it, knowing that like, I don't even do the copy side of it, but I think it's more <laughs> important than what I do.
0: <laughs> no, that that is, uh, man, that's a quote right there too, Sam, because I could not agree more. And I think so many people lose that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just like one thing I say on this pod- task, uh, podcast all the time about, hey, don't throw technology at a problem. And so the, the same thing could be true for like, hey, maybe we have a problem with our sales process, but instead of fixing it, we're just going to throw a CRM at it, or we mm-hmm. have a problem with generating and managing marketing leads. Well, we're just going to throw a marketing automation system at it. And, and le- unless you have that core strategy <laughs> and the plan, which in your case would be messaging, if you don't have messaging mm-hmm. for your website, then no matter how good you make it look, it's not it's not going to work. So yeah,
1: a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big struggle for sure. Um, so l- let's transition a little bit because we you know we've talked a good bit about you know how website strategy applies to service industries. How would you really say that that differs from like, if you have, say, for instance, an e-commerce component to your business? So maybe you're an industrial manufacturing company, you're actually selling product on your site or you're selling something tangibly on your site. What are some of the fundamental differences in how
1: you should approach optimizing your strategy for those type of brands? Honestly, not a lot changes. So, speed again, huge factor. What is the experience going to be like when someone lands on this e commerce site? Is it going to be an effortless experience? Um, I guess some nuances when it comes to like the e commerce side. If your store is again, like you have to have your customer in mind. If your store is overwhelming, it's tough to navigate, and it's just straight up confusing, people are going to bounce and they're going to leave. And as a consumer, that is a huge thing for me, right? When you go to these these stores, you want to be able to to get through them. You want to be able to buy, pay, and get out of there, right? Another thing I would add, and I think this is, even though it's 2021, unfortunately, I still have to say this, the site needs to be mobile optimized, right? Especially yes. an e-commerce store, Yes, right? I can kind of put up with having to zoom in on a page if it's like a homepage. Again, I wish I didn't have to say this. I can zoom in on a page, but if it's an e commerce store and I'm having to pinch my phone to type in my credit card information, dude, you've pretty much lost me at that point. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's like, unfortunately, like there are still some some companies out there that have put no effort into um, mobile optimization. And even unfortunately, some bigger B2B companies haven't. Um, And they've come to us and said, like, hey, this is obviously needs to be a priority. So if you're listening, that's people are doing business on their phones. And I don't know the exact statistic of like how many people are on their phone compared to desktops, but I'm pretty sure by now phones are, are definitely up there if not winning. I, I don't remember what the exact number is, but I was looking at some, some
0: research reports recently that was talking about for e-commerce or any site site that where, you know, you're actually going to be selling product e-commerce embedded, mm-hmm. whether you're a blended service, you know, in, in e-commerce, whatever um, typically it's over 70% that's going to be mobile. And that's huge. I mean, at that point, like why would you optimize for anything but mobile at that point? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's going to be the majority of your your traffic and that's where people shop now they shop on their phones. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, service industry, again, you can kind of get away with a little, little more. Um, you know, I mean, for instance, like at our company, we, we still have a pretty healthy amount of traffic that's, that's desktop, but it's still below 50%. So, you know, um, that's it's definitely a, a big one. Um, l- let's move now and kind of talk about, you know, lead generation. Because mm-hmm. especially for, you know, tech B2B or complex B2B, that's becoming such a such an important component of the website, especially post-COVID when salespeople have less interaction with people uh, in person. So tell us a little bit about, like, uh, what sort of things you consult clients on to make sure that your site is is optimized for lead generation,
1: yeah. I, again, I'm going to say speed. One, two, the message, and these are things that we've covered. Um, another thing is don't overthink like how you're going to be getting conversions, right? A lot of times, you can see what you need to see without A/B testing something. And how? Oh, is this is this button? Can we move it over a couple pixels just to like increase the conversions, right? I think a lot of people overthink that, and our strategy is to win before you get to the website. So again, the website doesn't have to do this heavy lifting of trying to convert someone. Again, they're 90% converted by the time you get to the site, right? Because they've been consuming your content in social networks. They've been listening to your podcast. They know who you are. And then when they're like, you know what? These guys have a problem I can solve, or they have, I have a problem that they can solve I'm going to go search for them, right? And then it gets tagged as, oh, we may have gotten someone through SEO, but all this time they've been consuming all this content somewhere else and they know you. And a lot of times you've already done the converting with your brand and now they're coming to seal the deal and they're looking to say, okay, does the message that I've been hearing over here also align with your website? So I guess the number one way to get more conversions is would be to make sure that your message is cohesive through all of your marketing strategies so that when they get to the website, it's like a couple clicks and they already know, yeah, these are, this is who I want to do business with. Boom, boom, meeting booked.
0: Great example. And, you know, I think the term I've heard frequently now is is dark social. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if if someone's consuming content or finding out about you where you can't attribute that. And that's one thing as, as a marketer, That becomes more and more difficult because we, you know, we came out of, you know, again, the mid 20 teens where, you know, we want to attribute everything and we want to attach a metric to everything. Well, that's even more challenging now with privacy changes, iOS updates, you know, where, where you number one, you can't get those details. But secondly, now it really is winning on brand and it's winning on those, you know, the dark social type mm-hmm. uh, places where people find out about you and then ultimately you're, they're getting their own organic search. Um, you know, one thing that helped us a good bit in lead generation was uh, focusing on landing page optimization as well. And so, for instance, like, especially if you're trying to use awareness channels and by awareness channels, I mean social for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um You've got to have a little bit different flow. The page has got to educate someone a little more than if again, if they are coming to you from a from a, a search strategy standpoint. Um, and so for us, like we, we really tried to focus on like telling a story through some of our landing pages. And we did a good bit of Mm A-B testing on like, you know, what's going to grab someone's attention. Like, how do you define a problem statement? How do you immediately move that into a, what if there's a better way? And then right below that, you define how you do it. And then at the bottom of it, you provide customer testimonials and proof points. So it's kind of a, you know, Hey, what, why is your knee hurting? Um, you know, maybe there's a better way to make it stop. Hey, look, we've got the solution. And by the way, here's all your other competitors that have already used it. So we found that that sort of chain of messaging worked for us, but Mm -hmm. it took time to, to refine that. And it is very different from that strategy versus if someone is just coming in, you know, organically to try to figure out how to tell those stories as well. Um, it's so difficult in b2b because there's never one solution right
1: (laughs) the thing the, the big thing when it comes to like actually some tactical like website stuff i know we talked about how to get some people there but and you really kind of address this is the whole goal should be talking about benefits over features and of course especially in the SaaS world features are going to be a huge pain point for a lot of companies right? If they're coming to buy your product or business, whoever it is. Um, So obviously your your website needs to have some features on it, but your selling point should not be the features. It should be the benefits, right? And that should be, especially on the landing page, the homepage. And the the last thing I would add to um, more of the nitty gritty, like how do we generate more leads is when it comes to the experience on your site, how many steps does it take them when they land on the landing page or when they land on the homepage, how many steps do they have to, to take to getting that meeting booked right so it's book a demo or whatever your call to action is um, and this was something that we kind of had to dive into on our site and a friend of mine was like hey you're kind of like doing things twice for people that come to your website so originally it was they had to fill out a form and then it took them to a page where they booked a time on our calendar right and it, it did it all automatically and what we realized is we could just sc- scrap the form put a couple questions and we use calendly Right, so they simply click. I think it's uh, book a website meeting or something. It takes them to uh, a page with our calendar. They book a time, and then it asks them a couple of questions that we were asking in a form. And now we just eliminated an entire step. Right, so you have to think that way: is like as a consumer, what would be easiest for me, and like what would be most enjoyable. And don't try to make, don't force people into your ideal funnel. Is I guess what I would say because. People will bounce and they're going to fall off the edges Um, and you're not going to get as much traffic or your 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 CTAs aren't going to do as much damage if you're trying to get everyone through a form and then a a bunch of crap that doesn't even matter.
0: Yes. And, And I will tell you from firsthand experience, because we had the same problem. We were having our pages where, you know, a landing page, but then you click a CTA, which takes you to another page where you have to fill out a form. Yeah. That was a pain. And so we we killed that. We just ended up putting the form on the page. But mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you brought up Calendly. And that's actually something we have not done this yet. It's it's on uh, my agenda for for our future enhancements. But Calendly is a lifesaver because you can book. <laughs> yeah. And then Chili Piper as well. I don't know if you've ever worked with Chili Piper. We've we've talked to him a couple of times about solutions, but they have a pretty cool process as well. Um yeah, and, and it's very similar. So, you know, you can embed a calendar. Hey, let's request a demo. And they actually have some other steps that you can embed in there as well um, just to make the process smoother. But but it's all about reducing
1: friction. You know, just how- So here's you- this. I know, I have no idea what Chili Piper did until you mentioned it, but I know who they are because of what I've been seeing on LinkedIn for the past couple of weeks. Really? So isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's like they've, they've captured me with their content and eventually I'm going to find out what they do. And I recognized it. I know this is a tangent, but because of what they've <laughs> putting on, on LinkedIn, but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> well, case
0: in point, it's it, but yeah. that is a that is a true life example of the of everything we've been talking about, which mm-hmm. is every company's out to fix a problem. You're out to fix a problem of making it easier to book demos. So am I, right? And but then mm-hmm. the content or the available channels of which those organizations are building awareness is what ultimately converts, and that's the reason that companies like Calendly and Chili Piper. Have such rapid and, and powerful growth is because they're investing in those things and because they're out mm-hmm. there telling that story. Um, I can tell you, this is total side tangent, but I can tell you that the Chili Piper sales process is relentless and in, in, in a good way. I mean they're they're very they're very customized in their messaging, they're very mm-hmm. personal in their outreach because we've had conversations again. We're, we've been in their funnel, so mm-hmm. I always liked as a marketer to kind of compare like. You know, what other people are doing in their funnel versus us yeah. and using that to, to, you know, to get some ideas on how to improve. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, from us, again, going to a website and going mm-hmm. through a funnel ourselves. We're all consumers. And, and I think yeah. so many times as marketers, we, it's almost like we forget that whole side of our brain that we buy stuff too.
1: And mm-hmm. how would we want to do it if we were a that's customer? That's the best thing you can assess is how would I want to be treated in this instance? Like when I go to a website, what's important to me? I already identified that I like going to see an about page because I like doing business with people. Even if I never talk to the the CEO ever, it's kind of fun to know like a little bit of the story, right? And now I can see why that translates to what we found on our site. Our about page is the second most visited page next to our homepage, right? And it makes sense because I put on the lens of a consumer. Yeah. Yes,
0: Absolutely. Well, let, let's hop into one more and I know we're getting kind of close on time, but I'd be interested in learning, you know, what marketing strategies have, have you seen work to drive traffic? Um, and that can be either for your clients, you know, some case studies or examples of what's worked or for you guys as well. I'm just, I always in, am interested in what others are doing to drive better traffic and conversion through their own sites.
1: Mm-hmm. So here's what, what we do for marketing. We do two and a half things. The first one is we post I love the word that you brought up, relentlessly on LinkedIn. We have a company page that isn't really big at all, but we're building it. And then I posted my personal profile. Marketing content for specifically B2B SaaS marketers, um, that's hopefully helpful to them, right? And it educates the market. It ha- builds an affinity toward us. And when the time comes, they reach out. So that's strategy number one. On top of that, we have a podcast that I mentioned at the beginning of this called B2B Made Simple. Again, same exact strategy, different medium. What we do is we bring on B2B marketing professionals. Um, It's almost like a business development strategy. So one, I get to network with them, never try to sell to them, right? So now they know who we are. But on top of that, their peers come and listen to the podcast to learn how to be a better marketer because this person came on the show. So we're creating content and I don't have to be a B2B marketing professional, right? I don't have to have the industry knowledge that they have. I just simply ask them leading questions and let them go. Right. So then that turns into, we can chop up the content and post it on LinkedIn. Um, our ideal buyers are listening to the show and ultimately it builds more affinity toward our brand. Um, another reason is because they're hearing me, the the co-founder of our company, right? Hopefully every single week or a couple of times a week. Um, now I say two and a half things because this isn't really anything big, but we have an email list where we send out uh, an email once a week with some marketing content. And uh, you know we let people know that there's a podcast. Again, no selling, right? So what this has done for us is it's created, again, brand affinity. It's created demand for what we do. Um, and it's created that trust because people feel like they know us when they reach out. And an example of this is I was talking to a CMO that came through our website, booked a meeting. I didn't know who they were. I'd never met them. And they, uh, we were in negotiations right now, contract negotiations. And when we were on the call, they said, um, oh, I kind of feel like I know you. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. That was the first thing they said that this Zoom call was nothing new to them. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? I didn't have to do anything. And here they were excited to meet me and excited to like maybe do business with us. And hopefully that's like eye-opening for some marketers listening to this that it can work it, it,
0: the idea of winning the game before you ever get on the court mm-hmm. it, it, that is the ultimate marketing play in 2021 it's yeah. it's having that that affinity and building those those sort of connections through content creation and man i i, I don't even there's nothing i can add that you you nailed it <laughs> and you know and two and another case in in too. i mean you know uh, that for everyone listening, that's actually how I met Sam. We we met each other through LinkedIn activities and and uh, connected that way. I, I saw some of their content, um, so it, it really works. And you know, you heard the chili piper example that we mentioned earlier. Uh, all those things are important. And I also like um, <laughs> and credit you with the, the mention of the half. Um, and, and you know, and the reason I laugh, like I I laugh because like I'm sort of in the same spot. Like we we you know we've tried a lot of different tactics like everybody right and and so you know we were trying to leverage email literally now like and i'm not saying we don't do email but mostly our email strategy is to let people know we're doing events because that's what actually drives
1: engagement
0: (laughs) you know and so and then somebody might forward that on or somebody else might join but like you know and we'll articles and stuff we'll do you know blog updates and things like that but there's no we don't try to pound people from that perspective. Now we do have a sales cadence. You know, if somebody comes mm-hmm. in and they become a a prospect then we have, you know, a very robust email and, and even a phone call and, and LinkedIn mm-hmm. strategy goes along with that. But, um, yeah, email, email in 2021 really should be a half. So kudos to you for, <laughs> for defining well, Thanks it. man. I appreciate it. <laughs> defining it. Um, well, listen, Sam. That I have really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's so fun to talk with another uh, fellow B two B marketer and and website expert. Uh, these conversations are always great. Um, so uh, for everyone listening, I'm going to leave uh, information in the show notes. I'll include uh, Sam's LinkedIn profile so you can go follow him, uh, follow him, and check out all the great content that he's posting. Um, we'll leave some additional information and resources uh, for for links to some articles and other things that you can uh, read and research to to get even better with your website strategy. Um, But if you're finding this content enjoyable, uh, depending on what platform you're on, give us a follow or or, or rate this podcast. That's how it helps others find us. And it also helps keep you in tune to all of the different things we talked about or will talk about uh, relating to sales and marketing strategies for B2B. So thank you for listening. We hope that you've uh, taken something away from this podcast. And Sam, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking time to join.
1: Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate it, man.